0: Welcome to the Pro Football Doc podcast. Coming off the Super Wild Card weekend and the Nickelodeon games, very exciting. Hope you had as much fun as I did. For the first part of our podcast here, we'll do a deep dive talking about some things. Our topic, our main title is hiding behind health. And I'll explain that. Then we'll uh, run through the games and the matchups a little bit of where we are right and wrong, and kind of give a little mini preview for the divisional round game. So it should be uh, some fun here. Uh, Fun weekend, six games, all separate. Uh, Good time here. So hiding behind health. We've covered before coach speak. And I hope everyone understands by now, I'm not saying coaches are liars or they're bad people. It's just part of their job to not let on certain things, okay? We've talked about the Patriots where almost they're too honest with all their questionables. If, in other words, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying right? I mean and I don't mean that in a bad way, but you know it's proprietary where a guy's healthy or not and players don't want you to know. So we know that there's hiding injuries all the time and there's coach speak related to that. Um, and uh, but there's more to it and I want to go a little deeper. Not only is it hiding injuries, hiding the reality of who's playing or not, but hiding behind health, hiding behind injuries, using injuries in other ways to your advantage. And that's kind of what I wanted to address here. I want to make it clear, none of this is criticism of anyone they are talking about. This is all my opinion and supposition. It may not be completely accurate, But I'm just going by what I know as medicine and what I've always said, insider knowledge of how teams work and what they do. Not insider information, no sources in any of this, any of this at all. And I actually, the example I'm going to use is I'm going to talk about the Rams and we're going to start on the golf situation and we'll jump off from there. Everyone knows Sean McVeigh is a great coach, right? The genius guy. He's got all these. He's he's the youngest guy in the world They have a coaching tree, right? So it's not criticism. It's observation in terms of what's happening and going on. And uh, we'll even talk about uh, several other examples. Even Doug Peterson a little bit with the new news that he just got. Was it fired or let go? Whatever it is, is moving on. I mean, I'm not sure. The, the, it's so new; it happened as we were starting the uh, the podcast here. But hiding behind health, let's talk about Jared Goff. First of all, word after the game came out right all week long. It was, we don't know. We don't know if he's going to make it. We're not sure. I'm not going to tell you who's the starter. I'm not going to make up my mind till. What was it? 139, because kickoff was 140, right? And what did we hear after the game? All week long, John Wolford was the starter. All week long, they made the decision. Jared Goff took it like a man, and he said, look, he was told on Tuesday by Sean McVeigh that you're not being benched, These are paraphrasing his words. You're not being benched, but the team needs certainty. We're not certain on your thumb, so the team needs certainty. That's why he's going with John Wolford. All right, makes sense. But let me just throw in some other thoughts. I agree the team needs certainty. No question in my mind Well, all along, I was optimistic about Goff being able to go and start. And I was wrong. He didn't start. But medically, I don't think I was wrong because he could have started. Why do I say that? Well, besides the fact that he played three quarters. But for this reason, Blake Bortles was inactive. No team goes into a contest with one fully healthy quarterback and the other so-so healthy. It's too important of a position. If Jared Goff's thumb were iffy come Saturday, Blake Bortles would have been activated. You just can't have that. You can't be in a playoff game if John Wolford was hurt like he was, and we'll cover him in a minute, and Jared Goff's thumb really isn't right. You can't be in a Denver Broncos situation with no bona fide quarterback throwing a wide receiver or Johnny Hecker, the punter, in there for a playoff game. It's too important. So I submit to you, Sean McVay knew Jared Goff's thumb was going to be fine as of kickoff or the 90-minute inactive period. Yet he wasn't the starter. How many times have we seen Aaron Rodgers not be 100% and he's the starter? Philip Rivers, with his toe and his lack of mobility, no question he's the starter. Of course, Jacoby Brissett comes in on third and two and other things, but if you're the starter and you're not 100%, if you can play the game and finish the game, you're going to get the nod. So this is kind of why I'm saying there might be more to this or... I get Sean McVay is brilliant, and yet I get I get he wanted his team to have stability, but if John Wolford was the inferior quarterback in his mind and Goff was superior, he wouldn't have stuck with that. So that either means John Wolford is here compared to Goff, or that Goff's here. They just have to be closer. That's all I'm saying. They have to be closer. So maybe Sean McVay thinks the world of John Wolford. That could be the case. Or some of those rumors about Goff and his big contract and security may come into question in his effectiveness. Because clearly Goff was ready to go. And my number one key piece of evidence is Blake Bortles was inactive. I don't see another team doing that, at least in my experience. So that's what I mean by hiding behind injuries. And we'll go through some other examples. Sean McVay effectively, he didn't make up the injury, he's right. On Tuesday, he couldn't be sure about Goff, but he kind of used that. part of it is he wanted to see Wolford. So instead of saying it's just injury, Sorry, sorry, instead of saying it's just I'm sitting you, it's well, it's the injury. That's what I mean by hiding behind injuries. And I think it's a good technique. I'm not being negative about it. But to be honest and fair, Goff could have gone. And if Goff were dominant as the starter in the coach's mind, he would have started. He would have changed his mind, right? I mean, how, do, how often do people change their mind? Um, let's talk about Anthony Lynn, who I like. What did he say when Tyrod Taylor got the injection gone bad and the punctured lung? He's my starter, period, end of discussion. You don't lose your job due to injury. And what happened a couple weeks later? Tyrod, take your time. I thought he'd be back in two weeks, four weeks. Take your time, Tyrod. Take your time. Translation, Herbert's doing fine. Take your time. And what happened in the end? He switched. Herbert's my guy. Coaches do that. That's their prerogative. And they need to do what's best for their team and their whole team. So I'm not being critical. I'm not saying Anthony Lynn's a liar. I'm just saying situations change. That's why coaches, Anthony Lynn did it. Hid behind injuries a little bit. Like, oh, no, no, no. Only Tyrod Taylor is injured, but you know, this way you can have faith in both. That's what I mean by hiding behind injuries a little bit. Nothing nefarious, but that's how you hide behind injuries. We'll give you some other examples of hiding behind injuries. Um, It might come up for Big Ben. Big Ben, I felt bad for the guy. Tears on the sideline after the loss last night. Yeah, he threw for 500 yards, but four picks, four touchdowns. Yeah, his performance this year, there's a lot of questions. I think his elbow is, is fine, actually. Is it age, is it just time? but I think there's going to be a little hiding behind injuries there too. Hiding behind health, his knee, his elbow. But in the end, some of it is his contract, right? He's a big cap hit. He's not going to retire. The Steelers are going to have to cut him or renegotiate him or extend him. But if they do make that decision, I guarantee you they're going to cite health, health in terms of age, health in terms of his knee immobility, health in terms of the elbow to ease the blow. They all may be real factors, but in some ways it's hiding behind health. That's just my point. Health is a factor, no question. Let's look at Drew Brees, who's doing very well, and the rumors of, this might be his last year. Ian Rappaport said that it likely is. Did they come from Drew? I don't know. Did they come from Drew's agent? I don't know. What source do they come from, from Ian rep I don't know. Did do they potentially come from the team and saying, look, he's getting old, and I'm associating old and arm strength with health? Are they hiding behind that a little bit? Because he clearly is the man in New Orleans. And to just say, we just don't like Drew Brees anymore, and we don't think he's good enough anymore, that doesn't do it. so. This whole health, age, arm strength, ribs, it plays into it, and it makes things more palatable for people right, Um, in terms of what's going on. Um, During the season, Matt Nagy did it. No, Trubisky's not healthy. It's Foles. Well, Foles isn't healthy. It's Trubisky. As opposed to, no, I changed my mind. I'm going with Trubisky. No, Foles didn't do as well. No, Trubisky, it was all couched in well, the guy's injured. The guy wasn't 100%, right? And there's truth to it. But that's what I mean by hiding behind health. It's what you say and what you do. So uh, we let's take a look at Jimmy G. There's all sorts of things soaring in Jimmy G in San Francisco. I don't know what's true or not, but I will tell you this. The first time the mechanism his high ankle injury was the greatest. And yet he finished the half, then it got tight. He missed the second half. Then he missed some games. He came back. There was no clear aggravation, yet he got shut down for twice as long as he first missed. So were they hiding behind health there? Maybe. Did they change their mind and say, last time we played you, Jimmy G, you're 85%, and this time we're not playing you till you're 100? Maybe. Those are real things. But once again, if Jimmy G were the dominant guy, they might have taken him at 85 or whatever. So I don't know how it factors in. I'm just saying, often there's hiding behind health or lack of thereof, and it helps you to make a decision or justify a decision as opposed to, you know, burning a bridge, saying this quarterback or this player isn't good enough. That's all I'm saying. That that happens. So let's talk about the Rams a little bit more. Um, head coach Sean McVay said. Uh, John Wolford has a stinger. He'll be day to day. Look, John Wolford went off on an ambulance, right? When he got hit, that's Wolford in a a hard collar leaving the game. When he got hit, everyone's worried about head. I said, I didn't like the compression to the neck. And he was allowed to walk off the field. They examined him on the sideline in terms of the neck they brought him inside and I said well, it's going to be his neck is going to be very sore indeed his head was cleared but then he heads off in an ambulance do you ever have you ever seen anyone leave a game like that for a stinger no it doesn't happen now maybe they say it was just a stinger now but that clearly he didn't get sent to the hospital for a stinger he got sent to the hospital to rule out a fracture and look If there was significant worry for fracture, and I am not criticizing the Rams at all. Uh, I like Reggie Scott. I think he's a good athletic trainer. Uh, They've got good team doctors, not being critical of them, nor Sean McVay. As a team doctor and athletic trainer, you don't allow a player to get up and walk off the field if you're worried about a significant cervical spine injury or fracture. That is basically malpractice. If there's a 1% chance of that, you put him on a spine board and take him off immediately. And we've seen that before. But they felt comfortable enough to get him off the field and let him walk. So that told me it wasn't significant. You're not supposed to crank on a guy's neck and examine him if there was worry. And they did. So when he was sent to the hospital and in that collar, I had worry and concern. But I think it was more of a rule out. And rule out being x-rays at the stadium are two-dimensional and there's a lot of overlying structures. Whereas a CT scan is three dimensional and you don't want to have doubt. If there's a 1% chance, you'd be sure. So he got sent to the hospital and you get sent to the hospital, you put him in a collar to make sure. And they didn't miss anything. I mean, the CT scan was negative. He was back in the locker room celebrating with his uh, team afterwards. The Rams didn't do anything wrong, but it looked funny. And, and in the end, I think what happened is he had a significant compression injury to his neck. He had some stinger component Because of the stinger component that didn't go away, so it was a nerve issue, they said, you know, can we really be sure on these x-rays, stadium-quality x-rays? Let's just be sure and get the CT scan. So with this, will John Wolford play? I don't think, I think he's not going to be ready to practice early. So if Sean McVay is consistent, I need certainty. your certainty now, not Wolford, right? He's the iffy one. So this is why it's gonna be Goff's week and Goff's game. I don't know that Wolf would play, be it with the stinger and also the neck soreness. The other things that uh, were said were Aaron Donald rib, don't affect him to affect these game status for this week, that's true, but it goes along with what we're saying in the second part of the podcast, that he's not gonna practice. It's not gonna affect his game status. It's gonna affect his practice status. And that's gonna be key matchup. He'll get a rib block and try and play. Cooper Cup bursitis hope to have him ready to go. I think he will be ready to go. I'm not sure I completely buy bursitis. He's playing fine all game long. It was a non-contact injury, and you get bursitis. Bursitis is when you bang your knee on the ground. Bursitis is more chronic in nature. Bursitis isn't one misstep, non-contact. Maybe he had an underlying bursitis that was inflamed. In any case, it's not a major injury. They'll find a way to get Cooper Cup back. And get back and uh, so forth. And this is another way you hide behind health. I mean, you, you give it a bursitis diagnosis. Maybe he's got some bursitis. Doesn't necessarily explain it all. All right. Um, we sort of killed those topics here. Let's go through real quickly, uh, game by game, at uh, profootballdoc.com site here. So what happened this weekend? The Bills versus the Colts. The reason why the game was so close? Hats off to uh, Jared Veld here. He came 10 days before, he was at East Grand Rapids High School coaching the offensive line. He was retired from the NFL, didn't play all year. Played week 17, did well. He did well, he did not give up a sack. I picked Buffalo Bills because I said, Anthony Costanzo's out, Le- the back of the Raven Clark is out. Br- Will Holden, the third stringer on the left side, swing tackles out. They're on to their fourth stringer, and the guy came out of high school. Yes, he's a bona fide NFL athlete. He's had a great career. But you don't play and practice NFL football all year, and now you're in a playoff game? I thought he wouldn't do so well. But be it by scheme and chipping and the tight end and running back, he didn't give up a single sack. And that's what allowed the Colts to stay in there as well as Philip Rivers. So that's where we were a little bit wrong in terms of what's happening. But the Bills are still the healthiest team going forward, and we'll talk about all the breakdowns. The Rams we talked about a little bit here with Goff and everything else where we were right and wrong. We don't need to get there. But um, in the end, the uh, corners were a little iffy for the Seahawks and their defense didn't get it done. The Bucks versus Washington. um, Alex Smith. uh, God love the guy. Comeback player of the year. Name the award after him. He shouldn't come back next year. If he's going to come back, he needs to come back as the third, four stringer coach on the field, or just make him the quarterback coach. Look, no one's going to sign Alex Smith. Make him your quarterback coach, and he can still kind of work out and be with the guys. He doesn't count as a roster spot. If you get bad injuries all of a sudden, you can activate him and sign him. I mean, nobody's getting, no one else is signing Alex Smith at this point in time. And we've talked about it. We've talked about it with the Bray stuff. I mean, he's wearing this AFO which is what makes it hard when your calf steps down, look at all this resistance. He's lost muscle there, et cetera. He's just not himself. And this is what we've been saying. And he's tried and, you know, I love the effort. I love the effort of Ron Rivera to get them there, who's now the dean of the NFC East, longest standing coach now, Ron Rivera. And maybe he'll get coach of the year. He deserves it. He survived cancer, got him to the playoffs, the whole deal. But let's look at the Bucks. Devin White will be back. McClendon will be back. That's big, okay? Uh, Ravens-Titans, two of the healthier teams. The linebackers, in the end, got the Titans. The Ravens will be healthy. We'll cover that. The Bears-Saints, it was big that uh, Jalen Johnson didn't play, uh, as well as, obviously, Rokane Smith. And the Saints were relatively healthy. We'll go over that again in the second half. The Browns, the big surprise, the C grade, and we'll cover that. But they made it through, but they're going to be healthier, and we'll preview all that in the second half of the ProFootball.com podcast here. Thanks for uh, watching here. We'll take a break. There'll be part two here. Thanks to OutKick. Uh, The new field view injury indexes are up for the uh, playoff matchups and much more content. Remember to turn on or off your notifications at ProFootballDoc.com, And please keep the reviews coming, coming at Apple or wherever they are. And hopefully they're five-star reviews. Appreciate y'all. And we'll chat again in the second half of the Pro Football Doc Podcast. All right, welcome to the Pro Football Doc Podcast. Post Super Wildcard weekend. And uh, as we head into the divisional round, we're gonna run through the injuries. This time, instead of by position, I think we're going to do it by team because that's what people care about here. Obviously, the earlier section was the deep dive here, but let's go through it by team. But I love the Super Wildcard weekend. Three games Saturday and Sunday. Maybe my wife, not so much. The kids like the Nickelodeon broadcast, um, but I thought that was great this weekend. Best NFL football weekend of the year, the three games all at reasonable times, nothing overlapping, et cetera. But we'll do the rundown there and go through the teams. And we'll do it in order, which I think of the remaining eight playoff teams, who's the healthiest and who's the least healthy. But we'll talk about individual players. But before we get to that, uh, some quote breaking news, not breaking news, but uh, Joe Burrows back at the Bengals facility. And if you look here real closely, Very quick uh, little snippet here. Um, He's pulling up in his car, who cares, right? But as he walks there, I think this is notable uh, as he walks into the facility. Um, He's not wearing a brace. He looks like he's walking with a normal gait. He looks like he has full extension. He's got reasonable muscle tone. He doesn't look like he's got a lot of swelling. And for a month, he's on pace. And here's the other key that's, that's interesting to me. A lot of times ACL rehab patients have to concentrate to not limp when they walk. He's not, he's looking at his cell phone and he looks normal. So I think he looks good. It's just a one and a half second snippet. So you can't say, you know, for sure it's not an exam, but it, you know, I, I know it sounds silly, I mean you see him for one and a half seconds slow down and you come up with this conclusion and obviously before we've talked about at the website the whole uh video and the twitter timeline as well why i think joe burrow will be ready week one uh but this backs it up so far it's just a little snippet and some people on twitter gave me a little good natured grief i think where they said well you know twitter doctors it's a second and a half on this i don't you know but How do you know? Well, the injury happens in a split second. And as you guys know, that's kind of what we go off of video. So I'm not saying it's absolute, but it's one small piece of evidence that he looks fine. If you really get down to it, historically, Jalen Smith, way back a couple years ago, from that new year's day game i was worried about his nerve but i didn't really say a lot because it's college kid but prior to the combines he posted a video of himself walking through the training room saying something like week seven seven weeks out and i don't have my brace anymore headed for a workout and there it showed an afo ankle foot orthosis which then led me to conclude yes he does have the perineal nerve palsy etc so a picture can be worth a thousand words sometimes uh Deal. So, anyways, good news so far for Joe Burrow. I thought I would get that out of the way. But as we go to the uh, uh, rankings here, I'll mimic the article that we did here. The health of the remaining eight teams in the playoffs. And uh, we'll talk about them in detail here. This is an outkick article. We'll go more in depth here than an outkick. But we're going to start with the Buffalo Bills. And the Buffalo Bills are the uh, healthiest team remaining in the playoffs. Uh, And uh, they went into the playoffs healthy, and they remain healthy. The only issue the Bills have is, indeed, Zach Moss, uh, their running back. By video, it was a high ankle sprain, left high ankle sprain. He was carted off. And uh, high ankle sprain, he's not playing this next week. The only way Zach Moss, I think, returns to play and it's even then, it's a chance, not a guarantee, is if the Bills can make it all the way to the Super Bowl, all the way to Tampa to play. Then maybe Zach Moss comes by. The other guy there, Cole Beasley, he left, he limped a little bit late in the game, but he finished, I think Cole Beasley's fine. Look, uh, thankfully our optimism paid off when he was hurt week uh, 16. They thought he would play in the playoffs. And he didn't practice for almost two weeks, but finally that final day before he practiced, and I think he had a a good number of catches. He had a good day for Buffalo. He's fine. So our optimism there has paid off. But Buffalo Bills, far and away, are the healthiest team in the playoffs right now. I think Colby's had seven catches for 57 yards. The second healthiest team in the playoffs is indeed who the Bills play, the Baltimore Ravens. And, uh, they're getting healthy at the right time. Marcus Peters with the calf, Clay Campbell with the calf. They're still missing Ronnie Stanley, their left tackle, their stud left tackle. That's why they're the second healthiest team. But overall, you know, COVID things, whatever, they're, they're next to the Bills. So that's going to be a blockbuster game, Bills versus uh, Ravens, two of the healthier remaining teams. The third most healthiest team left in the playoffs is the Green Bay Packers. They're really pretty healthy. They had some mid-season injury issues offensively and defensively. Alan Lazard is fine. They had some issues throughout, but the big reason why they're number three and not higher is left tackle David Bakhtiari. They lost him in practice to a torn ACL. So we have yet to see the Green Bay Packers play without their stud left tackle. This just happened in practice. So the key is going to be how they adjust, who the backup is, who they slide over, how they put the tight end over there. We haven't seen it yet. They may do just fine. It may be a big deal. We'll have to see. And remember, they play who? The Los Angeles Rams, arguably the best defensive line in the remaining in the playoffs. And we'll get to Aaron Donald and we'll talk about him uh, with the Rams. Next most healthy is actually the New Orleans Saints, in my opinion. Michael Thomas is back. He proved his high ankle sprain is fine. Uh, Not only was it the first touchdown in over a year for Michael Thomas, he's the first ever uh, Nickelodeon score in the end zone slime touchdown. Uh, He gets that honor. So he's back to good form. Alvin Kamara return was fine. Drew Brees rib issues behind him. Uh, Latavius Murray and Patrick Robinson both have thigh issues quad issues and uh, they may be iffy for next week if they're hundred percent and then Nick Easton their guard went on injured reserve for a concussion and of course defensively the big issue is can they get uh, Trey Hendrickson back their number one sack master this season so that's why the Saints are fourth healthiest team they have a couple issues but overall, they're not too bad. And yes, in general, the teams are healthier that are in the postseason. I mean, they're, that's how they got there. You're not, That's why the 49ers weren't in the postseason. And the Eagles didn't make the postseason. And yes, Doug, Doug Peterson got fired, which is interesting. Um, uh, it seems like, to me, as I observe that organization, and this is a side note, Howie Roseman's in charge and Doug Peterson, you know, finally, I don't know, decided, you know, who called the code red to pull uh, uh, Jalen Hurts? Might've been Howie, I don't know. I don't know that it was Doug Peterson. We certainly see Howie, and we've talked about it here before, Bird in the Hand podcast and what have you, where Howie Roseman has made a lot of medical decisions. He's fired their doctors after they won the Super Bowl. They've had multiple changes since. That seems to be coming from Howie, not Doug. So it's an interesting situation and a sideline. Just making those observations from the outside. I'm not on the inside on any of that. So the Saints are the fourth most healthy team. And next up is the Kansas City Chiefs, the reigning world champions. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is the big topic. I think he has a chance to come back and play. Of course, there's not a lot of news because the Chiefs aren't required to give an injury report until this week here and uh, given the the games Saturday and Sunday um, let's see I'm looking here the Chiefs play on Sunday so Wednesday will be the first injury report uh, will be the first injury report out for uh, the Chiefs and for Clyde Edwards Hilaire so will he be limited practice I hope so Um, be excited if he were full but uh, don't want to see a DNP. Love to see a limited practice. Hip and ankle issues. When he did the splits in week 15, this is where the bye week really helps. Helps them stay healthy, and uh, and gives them an extra week. Uh, of course, I would have been broken into 17 pieces and irreparable if I tried to do the splits uh, like that. But you know, these are elite athletes, so I think he'll be back. Le'Veon Bell missed week 17 with a knee issue, but that might have been more rest. If uh, CEH is not, I think Le'Veon Bell will be. Tyreek Hill, I think, is fine with his hamstring barring re-aggravation. Sammy Watkins should be okay with his calf. Linebacker Willie Gay has a mild ankle sprain and I think a good chance to play this week. That happened in Week 17. Uh, Ben Neiman, middle linebacker, set out with a hamstring injury, and I think he'll come back. So Kansas City has a lot of guys coming back, but, of course, you know, that doesn't mean they're fully healthy when they come back. That's why they're number five out of eight here. And the big issue for the Chiefs that I worry about is on the offensive line. Mitchell Schwartz, still on IR, never came back off of IR, even though eligible with his back. His backup, Mike Remmers, has a back issue himself. Of course, left guard Kelechi Osemili earlier this year had a season-ending injury. So there's a couple holes on the Chiefs' offensive line here. So That's why I have them as number five out of eight in terms of health. Number six, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Ronald Jones is the big topic. Uh, I guessed right that it was a pregame aggravation, which is why Ronald Jones didn't play. He was activated, but didn't play. Uh, He came into the weekend game with uh, some quad issues listed on the injury report, but thought he could play. And that's why I said live time on Twitter, I said, you know, it had to be a pregame aggravation. And right on cue, literally 30 seconds later, Adam Schefter definitively said, yes, his sources say it was aggravated pregame. Aggravated pregame is worse news. That means there's a step backwards. Uh, Coach Bruce Arians is now saying Ronald Jones um, felt like he couldn't open up and didn't claim aggravation, which kind of opens the door for him to be available, but I still lean towards no, but no pregame aggravation, more just some swelling and not being open up, leaves the door ajar. If he aggravated it, I don't think he would come back and play, but Leonard Fournette will be stepping in there and be fine. Mike Evans um, did a great job, especially in the second half. Look, I took great humor at this. Some people tweeted at me. I guess some site or something, Freezing Cold Takes, took some shots at me saying, oh, look at this guy. He said, Mike Evans, you know, would be a decoy. be wrong. Look, you all know it's not 100%. You all know return to play is the diciest thing and, and part of it. And you all know I don't examine any of them. So I own any mistakes. Clearly... When the internet went crazy with the non-contact injury of Mike Evans, we were right saying, it's not an ACL tear, he'll be okay. His season isn't over. I said he had a bone bruise and nothing structural. That's what he had. Typically with a bone bruise, you don't play through. Mike Evans did. Either it was a smaller bone bruise, whether he toughed it out, whether it's just the playoffs and he sucked it up. I don't think he was himself, but he's Mike Evans. He did have a good game, so kudos to him. I'll take the freezing cold takes. It's fine. No big deal to me. Um, but the biggest issue here is was a hidden one. They won without Devin White. Devin White tested positive for COVID the same day as Alvin Kamara. If they played on Sunday instead of Saturday, Devin White would have played this past weekend. But we know the NFL. Look. They want the games decided on the field. If Alvin Kamara was ruled out by one day and the Saints were put on Saturday, that would have dominated the headlines. The NFL doesn't want that. Devin White's a defensive player, so they had to put him there. It's not conspiracy theory. It's an offensive league. The NFL wants people talking about the games, not about circumstances. But it didn't matter. The Bucks survived. Devin White will be back. So will Steve McClendon. So the Bucks will get healthier. Steve McClendon stepping in for Vita Vite, who's been out the season. The big news why they're number six is Alex Kappa guard broke his ankle and is done and will not return. That's why they're down at number six over eight. We'll have to see how they adjust there, along with Ronald Jones. Mike Evans should be fine. So Buccaneers aren't the worst, but that's why they're down there. Got two teams left. We know who they are, the Rams and the Browns. And the seventh team is the Rams. And of course, that makes the Browns the unhealthiest team going into the next round of the playoffs. Jared Goff, we talked about him in the first part of this podcast, didn't start, made no excuses, came in, did okay. Uh, and, uh, um, you know, was it stellar? Uh, I don't know, it was stellar, but he certainly had a higher quarterback rating than, than Russell Wilson. Uh, and certainly higher than than, uh, some of the others. But in any case, Jared Goff, thumb will be a week healthier, still won't be 100%, and uh, he's going to be the starter. He will be the starter. Uh, Why? John Wolford is iffy uh, with his neck, be it spasm, be it stinger. Uh, Talked about it in the first part of the podcast about his neck here. But uh, Goff is going to be the starter for all the reasons we talked about and be okay. Don't be surprised if Blake Bortles is in the mix as a backup somewhere. Cooper Cup with his right knee, I think, will be fine. It was a left knee was the ACL. It's said to be bursitis. I'm not so sure that it's bursitis, but it's not structural. Uh, Cooper Cup will be fine. Mike he seems to have confirmed that. Uh, Aaron Donald, rib cartilage. I would expect him not to practice all week, at most be limited, but I would expect him to play with a rib block. Where he was holding was uh, front, which is where the soft rib is, the rib cartilage is. Uh, Russell Wilson sat on, rolled on him. Uh, there were some in social media and broadcast that said abdomen. I made a comment of, I've seen pictures of Aaron Donald's abdomen. <laughs> Russell Wilson didn't hurt his abdomen. I was being facetious there. I was basically saying it was a rib injury, not an abdomen injury. Uh, of course, Aaron Donald's unbelievable physical specimen. But rib cartilage, his rib cartilages is no harder than mine, and they can break and be injured. It's very painful. He'll need the rib block, but I expect him to play. And that's where that big matchup is. Our field view and injury index are up, and take a look at it. We'll have more game-by-game game analysis, but that will be the key of the Rams-Packers game. The offensive line of the Packers, especially David Bakhtiari, against the defensive line of the Rams and how Aaron Donald and company do. That will determine the outcome of that game. Um, Look, going into this this week, I said the game will be decided with the ball in Jared Goff's hands. Kind of was, right? I mean, Goff uh, didn't start but got most of the time. And finally, the Cleveland Browns. The Browns did it. I gotta give them kudos. I was picking the Steelers. Who knew? The Browns were the only team with a C grade if you looked at the injury index uh, last week, and uh, we can go to it here. The Browns had pass defense was a C, overall defense was a C plus, run was a B. Why? Olivier Vernon, one of their good pass rushers, tore his Achilles out. Miles Garrett, we knew he was going to play with a shoulder but it was right here. Denzel Ward out with COVID. Kevin Johnson out with COVID. Greedy Williams out for most of the season. MJ Stewart Stewart, questionable with a calf. Terrence Mitchell, Mitchell was questionable. So their top two corners were out and all five of their top corners had some sort of issue. Thankfully, Ronnie Harrison came back to play. That's why they were a C, but they overcame it. Yes. The interceptions, the interceptions came where? Not testing the cornerbacks on the outside, but in the middle of the field with tipped balls. And, uh, you know, Pittsburgh made a run in the second half. In the second half of the game, I counted. When they opened up the second half down by a bunch, 19 of the first 20 plays they ran were passes. One run in the first 20 plays. That's unheard of. And they were going after the corners. And they scored two touchdowns. And then it petered off from there because they became one-dimensional. But that's where the weakness was. So kudos to the Browns, Kevin Stefanski from his basement. They survived COVID. The Browns are still the least healthy team in the playoffs. But they've got help coming. Denzel Ward will come off, cornerback, number one corner. Kevin Johnson will come off COVID. That's going to be a huge help. I don't see them being a C for defense next week. And they're going to need him because they're playing the Kansas City Chiefs. So that's where it's going to be. Is the secondary now strong enough to stay up with the Chiefs? That will determine that game. Jack Conklin, right tackle, left with a hamstring issue. He's going to be iffy. That's a big deal. Their left guard, Michael Dunn, left with a calf strain. I don't think he's going to return to play. But who Michael Dunn was replacing was Joe Petonio a COVID victim, he'll be back too. So the Browns are not decimated. Joe Batonio will be back. Michael Dunn, his backup, will be down. Jack Conklin might be iffy. They still have some cornerback issues. Olivier Werner out. They still are the most injured team in the playoffs. But I don't know that they're going to have a C grade going forward at this point in time. But then again, look at who they're playing. So that will be the big issue. All right, and then for our beast of the week here, we'll keep it simple. We'll keep the focus on football. Uh, number one, I'll say Mike Evans. Uh, he played through. He probably said, screw it. I don't care about my knee and the bone bruise bruising long term. It's the playoffs I want to go. And he did well, so I'll give him the beast of the week. Along with Jared Goff. Look, he didn't play great after the game. No excuses. My thumb not an excuse look he played through week 16 with a broken and dislocated thumb with nothing did you see how small that piece of little tape was on him I mean very small he played through his thumb clearly was not very mobile with do the pins didn't make any excuses played through and um, shrugged it off so uh, that's a big deal uh, and so make him the beast of the week as well here Anyways, so that's the Pro Football Doc Podcast. Thanks for watching. Go to the FieldView Injury Index. Lots of uh, playoff matchup stuff. Fun divisional round coming up. And uh, new features all the time at profootballdoc.com. And uh, appreciate your watching.